You're listening to the Birth Matters Podcast, Episode 18. Said he had to be cup fed. They did not cup feed him. That's down true. There. They, they made a mistake, and the nurse called me. She's like, I'm so sorry that that happened. And, and I'm like, you know what? It was a really long road to get him. I'm trying to see the forest for the trees right, here. Right. It happened, and let's just move forward. Right. And that's it. Welcome to the Birth Matters Show. I'm your host, Lisa Graves-Taylor, founder of Birth Matters NYC, childbirth education and labor support. This show is here to lessen your overwhelm on the journey into parenthood by equipping and encouraging you with current best evidence info and soulful interviews with parents and birth pros. Please keep in mind the information on this show is not intended as medical advice or to diagnose or treat any medical conditions. Did you know you can sign up to receive email updates whenever a new episode goes live? Visit birthmattersshow.com to join our podcast community. Today, Emily and Paul share the story of how their spirited son was in breech position or head up and how the many proactive things they tried to encourage him to flip didn't work. Because the vast majority of OBs aren't trained these days in vaginal breech birthing techniques, their practice included, their birth needed to be a scheduled C-section. While this wasn't even close to their original vision for the way birth would go, they'll share how the overall compassionate and proactive care their family received made all the difference in the world toward a positive experience. Then things took an unexpected turn when their son needed to go to the NICU when his low blood sugar couldn't be improved with skin-to-skin or supplementation. Almost simultaneously, Emily was diagnosed with the rare HELP syndrome, which is a variant of preeclampsia and is fairly rare but very serious in the hours after birth. Emily shares how she received mostly compassionate care both in the hospital as well as expert care both at the hospital and at home once discharged with a few bumps along the way. Before we get started on the birth story, today's episode is brought to you by the Birth Matters Complete Online Course. If you can't squeeze in an in-person group birth class series, or if you didn't feel like the one you took was comprehensive enough, or if you don't even have a quality class available in your area, I have the perfect solution for you. Birth Matters Complete Course is an online recorded version of my in-person full series. It covers not only prep for an amazing birth with self-advocacy tips, best current evidence, and tips for partners, but also holistic postpartum wellness, breastfeeding, and newborn care. And to top it off, you get lifetime access so that you can use it as a refresher later in this or future pregnancies. Check it out at birthmattersonline.com. Now let's get started with today's birth story. Hey, you guys. Welcome to the show. I'm so glad to have you here. Introduce yourselves and maybe tell us where you are in your parenting journeys, and then you can feel free to launch right into your birth story. Absolutely. Uh, my name is Paul DeSena. It is, feels, I think, a little bit longer, but it's about seven months yeah. um, after our son Teddy was born, and uh, I'm really just happy to be here. I'm Emily, and yes, I'm about seven months postpartum and have a very bouncing baby boy named Teddy. Spirited baby. Spirited baby. That's how we describe him easily. Very spirited. He knows what he wants. Um, whom we love and adore. Yeah. So our first story, I, I guess it starts with um, the fact that we did use fertility treatments to get pregnant. We did. So I knew we would always have a hospital birth. That was um, 100% uh, certain. Um, it made planning almost more comfortable in certain ways because we knew kind of knew what we'd have to do. Yeah. You know, and we knew that it would, to some extent, I think, be scheduled. Yeah. And we didn't, uh, we didn't, for, it wasn't forced upon us. It was a choice we made, but right. it was a choice we were most comfortable with. So Teddy, uh, being a spirited baby, never turned into the correct position. He was because he was breached. He was breached. Okay. Yeah, he was breached. Let's turn the other way. Oh, right, right, right. <laughs> and we did a whole bunch of holistic measures to try and get him to turn. I mean, I was constantly go. I went to prenatal yoga every week. Did a spinning baby exercises. Bought a video. Did the ice thing. Oh gosh, everybody the thought mean, it was a horrible, horrible. Ice ice. Tell them what I did. <laughs> it's um. In a, I get what was it, a tepid bath? A warm bath. Well, well, not hot, but like warm. Like warm, like warm bath. Um, you take ice 
and you'd place it on your belly in such a way as to try to get him to turn. So he would go into the warm water that was on the bottom. If I put the cold ice pack like on his head, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. I was part of a midwife practice that's run by a doctor. So Dr. Paca's midwife uh, were the ones who suggested that to me. But, um, and I did it, but I remember my mom thought I was mean for doing it. She's like, he's going to come out wanting to wear a hat. Paul thought I was mean. And to this day, it didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't work. love hats, but he doesn't hate them either. That's true. Acupuncture. I did acupuncture and uh, also the, the, the take-home smudge stick that I made Paul because I couldn't reach my pinky toe. We had like at home acupuncture. Paul would put it to my pinky toe multiple times a day. The heated uh, smudge stick that they give you. Um, I must have done oh it wrong. Man. I must have done it wrong because it didn't work. We we did a lot of things. There were a couple things we didn't put do. All, put all the blame on yourself because <laughs> you didn't That's try enough. Absolutely. <laughs> Look, I'm I'm not here to cast aspersions on Eastern medicine, but I'm assuming I did it wrong. <laughs> but you know it, we, we approach I think like week 36 and they're like and I think the mid, by that point the midwives and Dr. Packer were like yeah we're just going to schedule the C-section because that's where we're at and we knew Teddy you know was the bigger side but they stopped really talking about him being very big toward the end like they weren't mentioning his weight or anything anymore they probably thought it was too much so it was rude my family has, has a history of very large babies i was over eight pounds and i was born at 36 weeks and um we were tiny yeah and on top, so i was like well maybe we'll meet somewhere in the middle i was one of the largest babies in my family at seven pounds ah. one ounce yeah that's so, very average size yeah yeah <laughs> Wouldn't it be nice? So we just moved along. Pregnancy was rather uh, beautifully uneventful. No complications, really, right? Um, It was normal, you know, pregnancy complaints. Backaches. Backaches, tired. I got really tired toward the end of my pregnancy. Very, very tired, but the doctors were very unconcerned. And stopped working, I think, around week 37. Yeah. It was week 38. Eight. It was a Friday morning. I'd set my paternity leave by then. Yeah, you had. I we had actually planned it because by that because we had the C-section day. Because we had the C-section day, and I had planned my paternity leave, um, at work, and we'd planned the date and we'd worked it all out, and the date was the date, and it was all set. And um, I'm very grateful that I actually watched your. So you, we did the fast course with you. It was done over. Uh, how many uh, how many days is the fast course? Three, Three days? weekend days. Yeah, four hour classes. Mm-hmm. So we had to do uh, there were videos on the C section to watch at home, of which I watched, thanks, mm-hmm. thankfully. So I was starting to make my plan around like week thirty seven, like having Paul have cotton balls with the you know a, you know essential oils on them in his pockets, mm-hmm. having a music playlist ready to go. Should I want that in the delivery room on his phone because that could also be in his pocket. Mm-hmm were other things that we were kind of I got a contraction counter you had a contraction counter ready to go an app, an app yeah <laughs> and it's like, there's a million of those apps we had decided there? yeah. that we... <laughs> yeah there's like it's like contraction like, wow I mean I, I didn't think this was a market that was so uh, I know right yeah, yeah it's, it's kind of crazy because it's such a simple right. kind of thing and yet why is there so much competition I have no idea that's why I don't <laughs> pick one I'm like just just t- pick any of them <laughs> they're fine the one I picked, I can't remember the name, worked great. Wonderful. And we took one of the best, a great piece of advice you gave, and we took, and I do not regret it. It was, I think it was very important in my recovery, was you said, if you're going to have a C-section or you end up having one, consider going into the good debt and get a private room in postpartum. Yes. And uh, we, that was, that was not a question. That it became, yeah, we, we were going back and forth a little bit and we said, you know what? Being able to be, to heal and to have the space to heal is important. Our friends had our baby two weeks before us. So right. we saw what a shared room looked like. And although, ah. you know, it's doable. We, I also said, you know, it wasn't for us. Right. So, you know, we, we cleared up room on a credit card and we're like, we're going to go into good debt and um, we're, and we're okay with our decision on that. Mm, so all these things were kind of ready to go. Date was ready. And then Friday morning, it was a Friday, right? My, Thursday night, Thursday, remember? Thursday night. That's right. Thursday night. I'm like, something feels weird. I feel weird. Something feels weird. I don't think he's moving as much. I feel so tired. 
And she was bustling around and cleaning a lot right before then. Was I? Yeah, you were like all day. No. Yeah, and then you and <laughs> and then at night around <laughs> seven o'clock, you said or six. I think it might have been six thirty. You said I feel really really tired. I feel just really. And then you felt. Um, then you told me, and we called your mom about it. But you said that you that you weren't sure if you were feeling him moving as, as much, much as much. So we called um, the on-call doctor and they were like, well, you have to go to labor and delivery. And uh, I don't know if it's because I'm like, my mom is a labor and delivery uh, postpartum nurse most of my life. She's a nurse practitioner. And I just felt so silly. I'm like, why, why am I going in? It's not a big deal. And he was very like, you know, no, it's, it's not silly. You just go in and that's that. And yeah. just double check. Better safe than sorry. So we hopped in a cab, went over. I think I was having some very mild contractions at that point. Didn't know it. Didn't know it. Very, very mild. Did you think they were Braxton? I just thought they were weird tightening feel, like weird feeling, like a weird feeling. Thought you maybe had to go to the bathroom. Maybe. Like, I'm like, is this a weird feeling? And um, they checked my blood pressure was a little elevated because I had been a very steady 110 over 70 my entire pregnancy. And basically, they sent me home. I wasn't dilated. I wasn't a face. But they did confirm that you were having contractions. They were like, it's very mild. It's, you can, it's, it's nothing. Yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's nothing. Go home. And it didn't, it wasn't painful. Enough. It was not painful. So we went home and when I woke up, <laughs> I was, I was like, Ooh, I think I, you know, not TMI. People probably need to know this, but I'm like, oh, I have to go to the bathroom and, you know, go to the bathroom. And I'm like, Ooh, I still feel like I have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> so I call my mom, the labor and delivery nurse. And she's like, Emmy. You know, I've heard a lot of women who like, you know, they think they have to go to the bathroom, but they're actually in labor. And I'm like, no, I'm not in labor. You know, it's like for pregnancy. I'm at week 38. I have a few next week. No, mom. And then they started going again, a little more intense. And I'm like, okay. She's like, just call the doctor. So I called again the on-call doctor, a different doctor on my uh, my OB's, you know, on-call. And she was like, and then again, I'm doing that. I feel silly. I was there last night. I, you know, I probably just have like, I ate something funny. And she's like, no, you know what? Just come on in. (laughs) It's fine. Just come on in. Better just to check. And while we were, we, I said, okay, we're going to do this. Let's call an Uber. I don't know who told us, gave us this advice, but we got an Uber XL, like one with lots of space. Right. Ah, I feel like nice. something yes. is, you said. That might have been the only one available. No, I, I asked for it. Right. I asked for it. Were you Good in to pain have that space. Yeah. I was in pain. So like eight, eight, it was, so. I was I in had, pain, but I didn't know if it was like, late, I don't know, it, like just serious denial. Right? Early, early that I had woken up purposely early that morning to get the entire house ready because I wanted to go into work because I wanted to leave work early. And I don't remember why, but that's, but I was already up you were, yeah, and I was yeah. dressed for work. Mm-hmm. And that's when you, that's when you started having the pain. And mm-hmm. so we called the Uber, it was an Uber XL and we got in and I fired up, so nice. I fired up the contraction counter. Yeah. <laughs> I think it, by the time we hit the bridge from going into Queens into Manhattan, I was like, this is labor. Four and a half minutes. I am having contractions. And oh my gosh! Like between it was between five and six minutes apart, and then by the time we got to the hospital, they were about four and a half, four minutes apart. Wow. We um, and we we this was, also, was so nice. This was it. also like eight thirty, eight forty-five a.m. on a Friday, going from Queens into Manhattan. So right. cross town traffic, trying to get oh. from the east side. To the, 10th Avenue, which is where Mount Sinai is. In yeah. labor and rush hour. In rush, so I'm oh. laboring in rush hour. So we were over and over an hour. He was really nice about it. He's like, I've, I've got three kids. <laughs> we had great Uber drivers to and from the hospital. <laughs> right. You know, we really, really, really do. So, I mean, a salute to the company. As mm-hmm. And so he was very calm, very patient, and, you know, not not concerned at all. Just like, yeah, oh, I, I, my wife has lots of kids. Have you seen this? You're good. Oh. We're going to get in the hospital. And I, I knew, I, <laughs> and I knew I was very much in labor by by the before we left Queens. Like I said, um, no more denial. There was no way to deny it. Mm-hmm. And we get there, and to my shock, because I'm in so much pain, even though I know a C-section's coming, I can tell where he is. His head's still up in my rib cage. You know, they're like, "Well, you're clearly a face, but you you're not even dilated." I'm like, "What?" <laughs> this is what no dilated feels like. Oh, uh, no. To be fair, he hadn't 
he hadn't dropped yet because of his position. Right. So all that had to, that yeah. was a factor in the dialogue. Oh, yeah. Issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Without the head baby. there. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. And, he, mm-hmm. and, and like, apparently he said he can drop, but like he was not dropped at all. He was just hanging out. I just wanted to ask you, in the car transfer, in the Uber, mm-hmm. were there any coping techniques that you found to be helpful or positions or anything? Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, we we used... Ride the wave breathing. Yeah. And uh, and w- the ritual. Where ritual. Remember, how, Paul was the one who told me about it. It was in the birth partner book you recommended, Lisa. Right. Yeah. yeah, the three hours. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, and so ritual, like just saying, like um, or whatever, like whatever. The same thing through the contraction, through the contraction, and that really helped. And then kind of just keep the. We tried to keep like a a beat going. Paul would tap on me. Mm -hmm. Um, Keep it rhythmic. Whatever it was, we tried to keep it rhythmic and regular. If you're watching somebody have a contraction, you could actually see it physically happen Mm. because it's the pain is. I, I'm assuming having yeah, felt one, yeah. it's really intense. <laughs> uh-huh. So just <laughs> that's so that's what we tried to do. We just so we started that I think in the Uber ride over. Absolutely, yeah. And it's and it continued very kind of, intensely in the in the uh, triage area. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we tried to do as much as we could in the triage area, and then we got back to it in earnest when she was in the room. Not in the birthing room or anything, but like the holding, like that's the holding. The triage, that's that's, the triage. Oh right, right, right. The mm-hmm. triage, that, mm-hmm. and that's really got back into it. And from there, you know, eventually from there, that they would bring her into to have her C-section. Um. Yeah. So that was. Yeah, we were definitely fit, focusing on rituals, especially toward the end as they got a lot more intense. Luckily, we're getting closer to the hospital. Right. Position. I, you know, I remember. I before you know I his him being breached was becoming an issue toward the end of my pregnancy. I remember talking to my doctor and midwife and like, I don't want monitoring. I need space. I need to be able to move. I need to be able to get on the floor. I need to be able to crawl on the bed. I just need to move to walk around and I need you to support me in this. And like, that was such a big deal for me. And I found during the contractions, I, I, no, I did not want to do anything except be right where I was, <laughs> like seated on the bed. Like it was, it was instinctual. I didn't. I. I was not. I was not up for standing and swaying my hips. I was not up for anything. It was. I just wanted to be in that position and focus doing the ritual with Paul, making sounds. You did your back. Breathing. My back. My, I had a lot of yeah back pain. back pain. Probably positioning of Teddy was a big part of that. Right. But it, um, I remember when they accidentally gave me really hot towels like out of the dryer almost, and I put them on my back. I was like, oh my god, yeah. that's amazing. Right. More. <laughs> that's one of the reasons I wanted the XL Uber is that if I needed the space, I wouldn't feel confined in like a yeah. full focus. Yeah, no, it was very spacious, roomy. So. That's such a good there. tip. I'm going to totally steal that tip. <laughs> so thank you. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, um, bigger is better and more space for sure. That makes sense. It's worth that extra 20 bucks. A, ton of, a ton of room. It was, I mean, a rush hour is expensive, but there was a ton of room. It was, I mean, we had like, you could spread out in that thing. And then I was sitting there uh, timing her contractions, help doing the ritual, and just trying to give her any um, any really anything she asked for, like if she needed a drink of water or something like that, just try to have. I wasn't a, allowed to drink water. They kept offering me water. I remember that. But there were things. The but on the way over, what did you you asked me like for a tissue or something like that? I don't know. I don't, like there, every, every once in a while she'd need something from the bag, mm-hmm. and I yeah. just remember that I would have the bag ready. That was those were pretty much my my sole responsibilities. Nice. Very important ones, too. We were in triage for a while. That was the thing that was unexpected for me. How long I was laboring before the C-section took place. I was asking for drugs at that point, I think, because I knew. I'm like, look, I remember Ina May Gaskin, if I'm saying her name correctly. Um, Ina yeah. One of the, Ina May, Gaskin, like, uh, which I read her book on um, giving birth and also on breastfeeding, which was really helpful was like you're gonna feel the pain you know with a vaginal unmedicated birth you're gonna feel the pain during it but then afterwards you know the pain's over if you're gonna have a cesarean section not that it's always a choice you may not feel the pain before but you're gonna feel the pain there's gonna be pain after and i was like well 
I'm feeling <laughs> right. now. I know I'm gonna have to deal with it later. When when can I get my final? Is there any other drug you can give me? Like there, my my uh, contractions were coming very fast. Two minutes. Two minutes, and I I you know and was just like, what's going on? So we were there for a couple hours actually. We were triaged for a couple hours. There was a couple snafus when we first got there. Uh, the first was they had trouble getting getting her line in, and she did ask repeatedly for an epidural. Spinal, yeah. Uh, uh, spinal. Eventually, we got pain medication, yeah. I believe. No, I got the spinal. You got the first thing you got was yeah. the spinal. Yeah. So they kept her there for about two hours with, with very no relief. It got to the point where I was like, you got to give me a time so right. I can start counting down so I can know I have to do 15 mm. or 20 more of these. You know mm. what I mean? Yeah, so yeah, 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 of course. My, my nurse, he was like, yes, okay, you have 30 minutes. I said, okay. And then I had, I said, okay, Paul, what's the number? And he's like, this is the number. I'm like, I'm like, okay, we can do this. <laughs> One at a time. Yes. One at a time. They did get the line in it, Yeah, my IV. So they couldn't get in my IV in. We didn't know it at the time, but I was becoming severely preeclamptic, even though I had no preeclampsia issues or high blood pressure issues during my pregnancy. So I was retaining a lot of water. They tried so many times. I didn't want it in my arm because I planned on breastfeeding. And I knew that would um, be a problem. They tried multiple times to not do it in the crook of my arm, to not do it, to do it down by my wrist. And then they tried to do it in the crook of my arm. And it took many also attempts again because of. But that's where they ended up the getting. Swelling. Yeah. Eventually they, when my blood pressure kept going up, maybe I would have been there longer. I don't know, but they knocked me to the top of the list and I was the next um, when my doctor was ready, I was the next C-section to go in. Right. So they took me and Paul had to wait, which is common in protocol across the board. While they did my spinal, they do spinal to first time moms instead of epidurals, is my understanding. Right. So they. What hospital was this? We're at Mount Sinai. Right. Mm-hmm. So they took me back to my spinal. My doctor, I am so grateful for her. She was such a calming force in the OR for me. I felt so supported by her during and post-op. Her name is Dr. Chu. She's one of the doctors on my uh, on the rotation with my normal OB. So when my OB is not on call, she's one of the doctors that takes my doctor's patients. And she, I remember her being there with me. They had a hard time placing the spinal too. It was that was oh. not fun. Oh. And um, it, was, it did take multiple attempts, not to like freak other people out. It's not the end of the world. It's not fun either. But and she was just she had her hands on my shoulders the whole time. She would talk to me. Her um, second, the person who was assisting her, Pat was holding my hand while this was happening. Of course, I'm having contractions during this process, right? You're not supposed to move, so it's very intense. But they were really calming force, and I felt very taken care of by them. It took a minute for the pain to go away once, you know, I remember that laying back, going from the seated position, you have to lay back for, essentially for the surgery on the table. That was mm-hmm. the, probably the worst part of the before I gave birth. <laughs> but, um, I don't know why again maybe the back thing his position or something and how many times did they have to try to get the spinal in? I remember four okay and, and so while this was going on and they were trying to get her spinal I was waiting out there dressed for the OR for what felt like a very long time and I did not feel as if I would would be permitted to just kind of barge in mm-hmm. so I was sitting here in the hallway eventually they came and got me yeah I think that's sort of all Ah, thank um, you. Yeah, I was going to ask you if you were there or what, at what point you were there. Great. Uh-huh. Thank you. So we had a plan for my mom to be there during the birth, too. Yeah. You know, she had a flexible ticket. So when they had made the call that my C-section was happening that day, she was basically catching a flight up. We knew Paul would be in the room for the C-section, so that wasn't. We wanted a second person. That was another thing I wanted to go in with, like, gloves on to fight for, but, like, she wasn't even there, so there was no point, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Gotcha. Um, can I ask a question about the spinal? Usually that's a single injection that's good for about an hour. Oh, what, yeah. Was it was it just a one mm-hmm. one time injection or was it a there's some kind of continuous feed? No, you mean the numbing agent, right? Right. So the last time I felt it and that was bad. That was the painful part of it. And they had to give me more and they and it was hard for me to communicate. And they had to prompt me. They had to say, You have to tell us where you're feeling it. And you know, I'm like, upper right, upper right. I was able to finally get out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then as soon as I said it quickly, they were able to relieve that pain because it is a teaching hospital. I could hear the attending working with the resident, you know, so that's that's how I knew that it was not going well, mm-hmm. uh, the attempt at the spinal place. So I, I didn't feel it until the final one. That was a successful one and 
although I did feel the pain from that, they were able to alleviate it quickly. Did you have some pain relief before you had to lie down on your back? No, not at all. It didn't sound like it when you said that was awful. <laughs> that was okay. awful. Oh. It, it, it quickly, quickly, everything went away. Hmm. Quickly after that, everything went away. As soon as I was on the table, you know, and there's all this bustling going around. And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, hey, I don't feel any contractions, you know? <laughs> and I, at one point my nurse was there and, and I was like, hey, have they started yet? I'm like, that's a great sign. They are very much started, you know? Oh. And did you guys have, before you went into labor in your prenatal visits, as you were scheduling the surgery and everything, did you have any conversations about what the protocol would be if you were to go into labor spontaneously before the scheduled date? A little bit, yes. They Mainly because there's a, a small concern about the cord what is it called? Prolapsed cord? Right. Prolapsed cord? Prolapsed, yeah. Um, you can breach baby because the head isn't blocking the cervix like, uh, you know, his, his bottom isn't blocking the, the cervix like uh, his head was. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, I said, you know, like what, what are the, basically what is the protocol? And they're like, immediately, if you're in labor, you need to come in. It's not waiting until a certain amount of time or anything. If you're having contractions, you need to make your way to the hospital. Um, but like if you feel the cord coming out of you, you go to the closest ER. Otherwise, you come to your labor and delivery unit. Um, so I knew, and that was probably one of the reasons why when I would call both times the night before and the day of when I called the doctors and was like, I feel funny. I don't know if this is. They're like, come in. They're like, come in. Yeah, <laughs> we, had, we, we, had, we had discussed contingency plans with the, with the OBGYN um, at a meeting prior, I think at one of the last meetings prior to to Emily actually going into labor. That was, my, that was one of our Midwest, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was a, it was, and I have them, I had them all on my phone. And oh, and the numbers. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. what number do we call? Yeah. What, like, all the contingency plans that we could think of, we did actually kind of go through, okay. and we had everything saved. It just feels like, though, when it happens, yeah. everything's out the window. Yes, You're in yes. the room. There's a baby coming, you know, you got a train rolling at you. There's a plane about, like, you know, it just feels really like, uh, I, I feel like, like everything's happening. We didn't even bring all our stuff with us. Nope. We only brought a small go bag because, I'm again, the denial of, well, I don't want to bring all this stuff over there if I'm not actually going right. to, you know. Sure, <laughs> right. yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, and this is probably just another false alarm. I mean, the important stuff uh-huh. was there, but, like, I think, like, we didn't bring like a car seat, you know, nothing like that um, with us. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and had you, right. I'm just curious if you had made any special requests along the lines of the gentle cesarean techniques. Yeah. Again, this was like one of the things that we were prepping, like, then I'm like, we have the date. I want to have Paul with the aromatherapy cotton balls in his pocket. I want to ask for the, the clear screen. I want to see the placenta. I want to I want, I want, I want, I want the baby right on me. Like as soon as the labor happened and I was in that, it it just, yeah, it really did. Everything kind of, everything kind of just flew. Um, And then you don't really feel like you're in a position to advocate. Definitely at the hospital because Emily's on the table screaming. And the last thing I need to be doing is, I wasn't screaming. Well, not screaming, but you were, you were, um, you were vocally going through your the oh you mean when very, oh you mean when i was in labor and triage area. when you're in the triage oh, okay. area triage area you're very vocal yeah so you don't really feel like you're in a position to hey doc let me pull you aside and let's uh, let me harangue you for 10 minutes <laughs> right about, about this <laughs> About this, Benny, you really because right, I was my job she's my right. Job. I was still supposed to see Dr. Paco one more time before I had my cesarean. She was going to be my doctor mm-hmm. performing the cesarean, yeah. So we had like a we thought we had a little bit more time than we did, it's Definitely. really kind of what it right. came down to. So I thought I was going to have one more conversation and be like, Can I get the clear screen? Can I get the uh, you know, gotcha. what, what's available to me? Yep. How soon can the baby be on me? Yeah, a I lot of the that. things we wanted, we eventually would get, mm-hmm. yeah. They really were. There was a lot of great, you know, I, I feel like our, the, like you're kind of assigned a nurse, the, the mom is and the baby. My nurse, he, he really was 
I don't even know if I uh, told them I was maybe uh, that I wanted to breastfeed. That was very important to me. Um, Or or that I wanted to have the baby as close to me as soon as possible. But he was, he was advocating and be like, stand up, take pictures, go over there now, Paul, go take pictures of the baby as he gets weighed. The baby's being delivered now, take a picture, stand up and take a picture. Did did we bring in our, our printed sheet of directives into the hospital? I don't remember. I think we did. And I think I did. And it was in the back. I think I, either me or you, told them it was there and they went and took it. Oh, maybe. Oh. I don't remember. I think we did. What do you remember? I don't I th- know. I think we did that. I remember because we had. Like, I know there were printouts of- from that you gave us. There were printouts that I had printed. Right. But then we had a sheet. Of, like, then we had like a sheet written out. I'm an attorney. So <laughs> then we had a sheet written out of, of things that we wanted. I like your word directives. I haven't ever heard any expected parents saying directives. <laughs> well, they're, I mean, they're healthcare directives. It's right. what, it's what they yeah, are. Yeah, yeah. They're, 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 these are our commands. I certainly so, like directives more than the whole birth plan because people never receive that well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's yeah. no such thing as a plan. Right, totally. <laughs> um, he was making sure Paul in all the crucial moments was being an active part yeah. and taking and documenting it for us. That was important. Yeah, Paul was great. able to get Teddy right away. And there were some the- choices at the end, after like within the first hour that I was able to be like, oh, no, delayed back. Thank you for asking. Because I had some really great nurses around me in the beginning. And it was able to, make, you know, that kind of thing was able to happen. Do you want the blow by blow of the OR itself? Yeah, if you're willing, if you'd like to share that. So from the husband's perspective, they brought me in and brought me around the, the operating table was to my left. They brought me around that and they forbade me to look down at Emily. And so they brought me around her and the screen was up and she's lying on her back, both arms spread out and her hands were really cold. That's one thing I did notice. But Emily was... Look- I wasn't tied down. No, That's but she looked at the being pain. held down. She wasn't being tied down or held That's down. Not, that happens sometimes in hospital. That did not happen with us. No. That was even that that to be in the thing. But she looked to be pain-free. Or, or those yeah. freeze, pain freeze. I didn't feel. I just felt a lot of tugging. It, yeah, he was a big baby. He was over nine pounds. Wow. Like they, when he came out, all the nurses were like, "He's gonna be a size one right off the bat." I mean, size one <laughs> diaper. Right. Right. Skipping yeah. a newborn diaper, which he definitely did. Right before he came out, an incision had been made, or something was broken because broken was, of blood. You mean there was a lot of fluid on the floor, mm. like a lot. It was way more than I expected. And that's, I think, when we heard him cry for the first time. Oh, yeah. That was awesome. That was amazing. Yeah, we yeah, both really of us cool. immediately were crying yeah. with Teddy. Yeah. <laughs> well, he, so he, he gets out and he cries and I poke my head up because you kind of got to poke your head up to see. And he's this kind of gray, slimy little guy just crying. Um, and, then, and then that's when the nurse said, all right, you got to go, you got to go, you got to go. And he hustled me around. To take pictures. Back around the operating table. And they brought him to the side table to weigh him. I cut the umbilical cord. Oh, yeah. He showed me exactly where to cut. So I cut the umbilical cord. We did not preserve cord blood. No, it wasn't, no. Or anything of that nature. It it was not even brought up about delayed clamping. We didn't, we weren't able to even discuss that. Yeah, usually you can't delay it in the OR, at least. (laughs) So then they brought me back, uh, me back around to Emily. Well, they, I guess, cleaned them. To a certain extent, or maybe feel, swaddle them, yeah. swaddle them up. Newborn babies smell amazing. They smell really good. Uh, but they swaddled them up, and then they brought him back around behind the screen to where to where Emily's face was. And so we took pictures there with a swaddled they did, teddy. They did skin to skin, doing face to face at that point. Right. I would say at that point, you know, I was wondering if something, I'm like, I don't feel great. I remember just that was in my head. I was shaking a lot, yeah, which is very normal. Yeah. But I remember just like, I don't feel, I don't feel great. Like my energy, something feels, doesn't feel right. And it is so. There is one thing as I was sitting there and we were waiting for him to come, her blood pressure kept dipping and they kept pushing whatever they pushed i guess i don't know the whatever whatever thing that was never brought up to me whatever I thing they i was just watching it because you know i don't know but, again i think it was this teaching hospital he was also hearing what the attending was telling right 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 well i have to push more i have to push more so who knows who knows what it was but the blood pressure kept like dipping and then they pushed it and come up and then it dip again and then they pushed some more and then it come up and so by the time we had teddy she was shaking 
I was shaking a lot, which they, you know, knew to expect. Um, there's morphine in the spinal, which is a good thing for the most part, because most people, when they take their first walk, it's very helpful to be in your system mm. um, when you get out of it for the first time. And I think I knew at that point, I'm like, I, I just don't feel, and I'm like, you know, I've never had any surgery. I've never had, obviously never had a baby or section. So I'm like, well, maybe this is just how you feel. Fine. And then that wheel to the, the recovery room. Recovery room. <laughs> and then we, so we were wheeled to a spot. This is actually relatively important to the story. She was wheeled to the spot right next to the entrance to the recovery room. So that means whenever the public entrance, the public entrance to the recovery room. So that means whenever anybody came in to visit anybody, the door would slam about two feet away from where her bed was. Of oh. course, there was a curtain. Yeah, there, there was a curtain, yada, yada, yada. But it, it's the recovery room. But the good thing about the recovery room, and I actually spoke to my, my mother about this, and she was a nurse way back when. Good thing about the recovery room is that the nurse's station was right in front of Emily's bed. Mm. Like you can, like with the, the nurse's station, it's so much the mammoth that you have to be within, you're within eyesight of every bed that's in there is within eyesight of the nurse who's in the station. So my story where I had some complications postpartum, after an uneventful, beautiful, uneventful pregnancy, I did have severe preeclampsia, help syndrome, which means my I was having issues after the solution to both of these things is to give birth. So my body had done half of its work already. And maybe that's why Teddy came a little early. But in order to keep me from having a seizure or from having a stroke, they had to give me a magnesium solution. And, you know, I'm finding all this out. Well, there was like an hour in between. All this epicness, they kept checking my blood pressure. And, and it was pinging up and down. It was mm. like ping, it was all over the place. Mm. And uh, they're like, we have to run some labs. Right. <laughs> Trying to be nonchalant. We, we had them breastfeeding right away. That was right. amazing. They were very, very helpful. The nurse in recovery when I got there was one of the like all-stars for me. Oh my God, she was great. She came and checked on me the next day. Ruining the story, I was still in recovery the next day. Right. Uh, <laughs> she was really great. She was really good at advocating for me. Teddy had issues. Also, he had he was a very big baby. So when he came out, it's something that's common is he had low blood sugar. So his blood sugar had a hard time stabilizing without me doing the work for him. So he came out, they're doing the pricks on the heel. His blood pressure's off. They're trying some sugar paste not working. They're like, well, we should now we need to give him formula. I had just seen my friend had given birth and I saw something in her hospital where they were using like a tube while they're breastfeeding to get them to get formula while you're breastfeeding, get the tube in the side of their mouth. And they would also be getting formula supplements. Yep. Mm -hmm. And so I I asked for that. And I was lucky to even know it existed. (laughs) And they were like, this one nurse who I liked a lot, she went away and she was talking, calling, and she's like, okay, we don't have that. So what we do have, we have a traveling nurse here. She's going to come over and work with you and baby. And we can cup feed him. She's great too. So she was great too. So yeah. you don't have to worry about, she's like, we understand your, your concern for nipple confusion, like right out of the womb. Absolutely. So we're going to cup feed him and we're going to show you how to do it. So they came over and we're working. He's drinking out of a little cup, just like an hour old, <laughs> you know. Yeah. He smells great. And he's and we're getting lots of skin to skin and he's they're coming by very often, maybe 15, 30 minutes, they're checking his blood sugar and they're right. not stabilizing. They're doing tests on me. Right. And unfortunately he did have to go to the NICU because his blood sugar did not stabilize. Now did you know that you you had preeclampsia help before he went to No, the no, I did not. Okay. Right. So they said, they right. said, okay, he's going to go here. But as soon as you are discharged, you move to your postpartum room, you're free to go be with him as much as you want. I'm like, fine. Okay. So we're waiting. And then we get, you know, my labs come back. And basically with health, you have problems with your liver, your kidneys and your platelets. So, and again, like the, with severe preeclampsia help, you have to be careful of stroke and seizure. So I, I had to have 24 hours of this magnesium. They say drop mag, you know, <laughs> this magnesium um, bag. And they told me that she's like, you know, this is going to, you know, a lot of people, this is pretty awful stuff that, you know, yeah. you're not going to feel good. And I was, you know, queen of denial. I'm like, I just had a baby. I just <laughs> I had a miracle baby. I am on cloud nine. Yeah. No one, I, what are you talking about? I'm going to be fine. We're going to get this over with. I'm going to go see my baby. It will be fine. 
No. I felt awful. I like felt garbage. awful for days. Yeah. Oh. Did you feel weak? Because it relaxes. Very. I couldn't keep my eyes open. Mm. Um, when, like, for, for when I finally was able, 36 plus hours later, able to leave that little um, recovery room. I remember the first time I saw Teddy after I had to be very honest and look at the NICU nurse and be like, I'm too tired. You need to take him from me. I don't want to drop him. Mm-hmm. Sure. And she's like, Oh, okay. Taking him, taking him. I'm like, I'm sorry. And she's like, no, no, don't be sorry. Right. <laughs> I'm oh, like, good for I you. so yeah, I'm like, yeah. I feel too tired. I don't feel like I can want to hold him, but I know I shouldn't be holding him right now. Right. You know? Sure. So so it really took a, a toll on my body. I had a hard time focusing. Like, so everyone's sending me all these messages like, oh my gosh, congr-. I couldn't read any text. I couldn't respond to anything like that. Mm-hmm. I had, Paul had to be the lead for that. Eventually your mother and aunt got there. My mom and my aunt got there late, late that night. We gave right. birth in the afternoon and they got in like closer to midnight, 11 o'clock. And they were all able to go see did you t- they see Teddy at that point too? Everybody was able to go see Teddy. And it was hard. The hard hardest part was then because I couldn't, he had to stay where he was. I had to stay where I was and we couldn't be together. And mm-hmm. I remember going into it. That was what I considered the worst case scenario. But um, for better or worse, I was so sick, Lisa, that I didn't, that, that wasn't a fight in me at that point. Like I, it was like more so the focus was like, I, I guess I knew my body had to get better in order to move to the next step. It oh, wasn't, yeah, I was constantly sense. asking for updates, but other than that, like I wasn't. At first they weren't great about the updates. Well, there was one particular, yes, uh, shift because they, they do seven to sevens there, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. is the nursing shift. Right. It was not great. That was my only. The overnight? Yeah. It was really no, no. Overnight. She was 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. I still remember. She was yeah. 7 a.m. She was the 7 a.m. to 7, 7 p.m. Mm-hmm. She was, oh, no, because they came in and gave you the update in the overnight. They did. They gave the, One of the doctors came in at 4 a.m. and gave me an update on Teddy. Yeah. Right. That was the last thing I'd heard at 4 a.m. And then I spent the rest of the day trying to get an update. Right. And unless Paul was going in there and like, that, that was the only time we would know what was going on, I guess. Right. And Teddy's issues, comparatively, to be quite frank, to, to some of the other. Oh, I know. Yeah. Are so minor. Very right. different. You know, he's, he had a sugar issue. He's, he's getting an IV. Yeah, it's fairly and common. Where health right. is right. not. <laughs> and he, yeah. No, he, health is not. Yeah. You know, and he was a robust baby, and even in the NICU. Yes, compared he, next to all the small NICU babies. So I think there might have been a little, I don't know. He chewed his own IV out of his head. Oh, that he did. He what? Did. He's a fighter. <laughs> we told him he was spirited. We told yes. him he was spirited. He had chewed the IV out of his hand. They said, yeah. I was like, what's what's with his hand? She goes, well, we have to tape it there. Said, Why'd you have to tape it there? He goes, because he pulled it out. <laughs> wow! With his mouth. With his mouth. <laughs> and so, Paul, were, so, were you back and forth between the NICU and Emily, or what were you doing during all this time? So we kept Teddy for as long as we could in the recovery room. Mm-hmm. So Emily had kind of was drifting in and out of sleep. I will say consciousness. Um, and in a, uh, although she wasn't, you know, she wasn't passing unconscious like a coma, but she was drifting in and out of sleep. So I was holding Teddy skin to skin. Teddy was sleeping for the most part. Occasionally he'd stir. I changed his diaper for the first time. I, I sa- vaguely remember that. I saw the myconium. Mm-hmm. I saw that. That's something else. That's scary, right? Pretty sticky stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looked, it, looked, it 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 looks like a like a pudding almost. It's very strange. <laughs> very strange is not what I expected out of my little boy. Um, but changes diapers a couple times. But eventually, you know, we tried to latch him. He didn't want to latch because he had gone down to the NICU. He had taken a bottle and then they, he had come back up. Okay, so what that thirty six hours, forty eight hours. It was about between that like four p.m. and eight, nine, ten p.m. And where he had gone down and then I went down and got him and brought him back up because Emily wanted to see him and we both wanted to be with him. So where he had no trouble latching at first, he had suddenly started having trouble Are you talking when he was, he was um, discharged from the NICU? No, no, no. He was back and forth. 
Right. And we said he had, right, from the nursery. That's this it. This is before he was in NICU. This is before he was in NICU. We said he had to be cup fed. They did not cup feed him. That's down true. There. They, they made a mistake, and the nurse called me. She's like, I'm so sorry that that happened. And, and I'm like, you know what? It was a really long road to get him. I'm trying to see the forest for the trees right. here. Right. It happened. And let's just move forward. Right. And that's it. And so shortly after that, he wasn't eating all that well off the breast after that happened. So that's like, I don't remember this. That's like six to eight or 9 p.m. And eventually they came and they tested him again. And they said, okay, that's when he had to go down to the NICU because his blood sugar still wasn't stabilizing. Mm-hmm. So that's when that happened. Now, in the overnight, I actually went back to the apartment yep. at 2 a.m. You can't. You can have 24-hour visitors technically in right, recovery, because her mom and but there's were there. no, like, unlike having the, like, we had opted to get a private room, there's nowhere for Paul to sleep, and my mom and aunt were in a hotel nearby, and there's not even, maybe wait, there was a chair in wait like, a minute. area. There's, there's no place for him to sleep in a private room? No, no, no. In the, in the, when I was still in recovery. In recovery. When I oh, was I'm sorry. Okay. Her. Oh, sorry. I'm, yeah. I, I misunderstood. Gotcha. We had, I hadn't been allowed. Yeah. So I, when they're still dropping the magnesium, my labs were still off. Mm-hmm. Right. They were making me stay in that recovery room, which right. is basically like a turning door for women who have just given birth. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's 2 a.m. And me. <laughs> it was around 2, 2.30 2 a.m. We decided that uh, her, Emily, me, and her mom and her aunt decided that, all right, go back to the apartment, catch four or five hours of shut-eye and come back to the hospital. So that's what I did. I actually caught the end, the very, very, very end of game three of the World Series between the Red Sox and Dodgers when I went back. (laughs) Very important to you. (laughs) Well, look, I heard, I I will say that, you know, I will say that Teddy was not born on a day that the Red Sox lost, so he is no jinx. Very, very important. Very important. At, At any rate, but it was the next morning that I got back to the hospital and then at that morning, Emily was a bit perturbed because she'd gotten updated only at, Zero o- only at 4 a.m. Only at 4 a.m. And nothing, yeah, for the since, doctors. nothing since then. So I went on to... Even though I was asking. So yeah. I went to the NICU to rounds. And they told me, well, at that point, they told me what the plan was with him. And it was a couple of days. Um, it would be a couple of days probably before his blood sugar stabilized. But otherwise, he was doing very well. So I sat in on rounds. I don't remember what questions I asked, but I was told that I could come back anytime that I wanted. 24 hours a day. 24 hours a day. I could come back and go visit him and go see him. Of course, my wife is also pretty sick. So, you know, I wanted to make sure I spent enough time with with Emily as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And during this time, I was uh, pumping in my somewhat delirious state. Right, right. (laughs) Wow. As often as I could. That's trying trying to. Trying to. Nothing. I mean. Well, no, my milk, because of how sick I was, my milk didn't come in for almost three weeks, right. two and a half weeks. Wow. Um, yeah. It took a little TLC. It took, it took a lot of, um, I, I said, elbow grease and dumb luck. And stick and, chewing it. And the lactation consultants at our hospital were amazing. And they would come, like, track me down. Like, they would go between you and postpartum looking for me to see how I was doing, to work on a plan. They knew that I really wanted to do this. I remember my doctor said I needed to pump every two hours. I just didn't have it in me. I just could not. So I just did what I could. And that was kind of that. And they made a lot of small goals when we got home because he did not, after being on formula and used to getting two ounces every three hours, he did not have the patience for uh, latching. No. <laughs> so we him for a while. But we, had, we, we learned some really great techniques, right. which I'm also happy to share. To get him back on the breast, basically, which we were able to do by about week four or five. So from the first day that she was in recovery, the next day at 8 p.m., we're finally to, she's, by this time she's eating and all the rest of it. This time we're told we're moving into our private room. Oh, my liquid diet. I was so excited to have that, that cold, salty so, soup. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <hungry>. <laughs> One of the things that I, I wish I would have, or I didn't have great support at that point, the only real downside I would say is that I didn't have great pain management support. I was trying to understand what and I should be. This was while she was, while in, I was recovery. in recovery, not in postpartum. I was trying to understand what my options were. I kind of knew that the morphine was no longer going to be enacting from the spinal. And I couldn't have Tylenol because of the issue with my liver that happens with health syndrome. But you can have ibuprofen. Ibuprofen, which I didn't know I could have that again. And I, and, um, and the dilated. And oh. the 
which is not great, but is what it is. And so it made a really, really awful first walk to the bathroom. And I wish that I would have known and been able to better advocate earlier to get something in my system for that before it happened. As soon as that, you know, they were ready and like, okay, we need to take care of you. But um, we thought that the nurse would come over to administer pain medication at every point where it was possible. Like whenever it was like, oh, you're at your four hour mark, you can take this. It turned but out we, every three with ibuprofen. Or three, whatever it is, whatever the mark is. Right. But you have to actually ask for it. And I remember at one point I did, and I'm like, yeah, what what do I have available to me, basically? Right. Or like, what am I going to do now for pain management? Because I knew I had just had a abdominal surgery. And I'm like, she's like, well, what's your pain level? I'm like, well, if I don't move, <laughs> it's not, it's a this. But if I move, it's a this. She's, and I'm like, am I just going to have pain no matter what? And she's like, yeah, you're just going to be in pain. And I'm like, and that was. That was the nurse that said, I don't remember. I remember. She goes, pain is pain. You know, lose pain. <laughs> this is the, that was our, our. I didn't do the accent. Not the, <laughs> not the, not the highlight, the bottom light, the, the. The low light. That low was the low light. light. This was the low light of our experience. So that oh. shit changed that shift changed. In a, a when, the, when the next nurse came in for the next shift, right. she was the one who was like, hi, Emily, what are you doing for your pain management? And I'm like, my what? <laughs> there is such a I'm thing? Like, oh, wow. Um, can you walk me through it? Exactly. What do I have? My, what are my options? What should, what do you recommend? So that was the low life versus, yeah, that and, and the non-communication. And that was kind of all the same shift. The hard time communicating with Nikki when I was not, when I was by myself. And, and and never forget during recovery, she's about two feet away from that door all night. That door's opening and yeah, closing. Like every 15, 20 minutes. But I um, did have my birth playlist that <laughs> we did not use, but I put my, as long as my headphones lasted, I put them in and I listened to my birth playlist at night <laughs> to kind of block out the people and the noise, maybe earplugs. That was something I wish I would have packed. Right. Ah. Yeah, yeah, I need to add that to my list. Earplugs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because airplugs. Yeah. Because Paul and I have are like hikers. You stay in like hostels. We've done something called the Camino de Santiago, mm-hmm. where you, you walk the pilgrimage route, and there's like these, these uh, places where the pilgrims stay, and you have like 40 smelly people. <laughs> so we, we know how to sleep in a noisy environment. I don't right. know why I didn't think to bring earplugs. But we, you know, I, I did make it out of uh, the recovery room and into postpartum. Teddy did make it out of NICU and into my suite with me. Mm-hmm. And that was about... The day before we, 24 hours before we were discharged. Before he was discharged, he joined me. And one thing else I will say, um, the day before she was scheduled to be discharged, doctor came in and examined her and said, hey, how do you feel about another day? And we took the extra day. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Extra day. Which I think made a, made a bit of difference. Yeah. Good. So you were there, what, like four days or so? Four days. Four days. Mm-hmm. Which is great. And the, the private rooms in Mount Sinai are really nice. It's as close to hotel service as I think I've ever seen in a hospital. Yeah. It's really great. Nice. They have a menu. You plan all your meals out. The rooms are spacious and quiet. Yeah. I felt I just needed this level of privacy because of the. You know, you're in, I was in pain right. and um, walking, walking was right. hard, especially with maybe the first handful of times and having my own space and being able to do it in my own time and get to the bathroom and not have to worry about sharing it with anyone was just, that was a nice to not have that as a concern. Yeah. Again, a lot of this is seasoned by the complications I had yeah. too, you know, so not every C-section is like this. And doing the medication you're on too. Well, the, yeah, obviously yeah, medication. Mm-hmm. made me feel how I felt. But I was very grateful we had made that, glad we made that choice. Yeah. Regarding any of the private room. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I know we're running short on time here, but I want to ask you, did they give mm-hmm. you any instructions as they discharged you from the hospital? Any specific things to look out oh, yeah. for given your this diagnosis that you had? Yeah, yeah. I remember Paul's like, should we be doing her blood pressure or like every whatever at home? And they're like, that might make her, her blood pressure raise even farther. <laughs> so, so I split the difference and did my own. <laughs> 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 oh, man. You know, my mom, who's a nurse practitioner, was with us for a while in that time frame at home. 
I think they did know that going into it, so that was a good thing. And for Paul and I as well. My, by the time I left, my labs were very, they stabilized and then they got better. Like they never turned for the worse. Like, you know, that happens in cases and I was very lucky that was not my case. So when I left, I was already on the, the upswing of things, I suppose. Mm-hmm. There's like a laundry list of like what to look out for with your incision. If you don't feel well or, you know, to come back to labor and delivery. And to be very honest, I think what was the day two home? Oh, what was the bad day? The bad day was day two. Was Going into day two? Was the over, from day two, the overnight into day three. That's when I, I, I did feel so sick. Halloween. I don't remember the day. It was the, it was mm-hmm. the, it was the 31st. Okay. No, you're right. So it was going into day two. Day two. So like day two going being home. I did reach a point where I was like, I feel, I felt so awful, like worse right. than when I was in the hospital that we, I was, it was like a border of if I don't get better in the next couple hours mm-hmm. or after this next sleep or after this next, whatever, you know, mm-hmm. chunk of time, we're going to have to go see a doctor or go back to the hospital. She looked green. I think I was passing off the dilated because I stopped right. taking it very close to being home because I was able to finally be back on Tylenol. So that's one of the things, like them explaining how to use pain medication. Since I was allowed Tylenol again, I could just alternate ibuprofen and Tylenol all day long. And as soon as I got off the the heavy stuff, yeah, it really was when my body started to feel better. Right. And when it passed out of me, my body began to feel better. So I think there was an edge of where we were kind of like riding a line where it's like, you know, we may need more medical attention. You right. know? <laughs> so, that, so, so that night we sent Emily to bed at about 9 p.m. Uh, and she said, okay, well, we're going to put together between me and her mom, we're going to, we're going to piece. And our friends at 6 a.m. And our friends at 6 a.m. We're going to piece together the longest sleep as Emily needs. So the mom helped out till midnight. I did the overnight 12 to 6, 12 to 6 and then stayed up till about, I stayed up, ended up staying up till about 9. Then Emily got up around 9. Her mom was here from 9 to noon. And went, I think I went to sleep somewhere around 10 a.m. Then I got up at like 2. And by that time, and it was, we were really on the upswing by the time of Teddy's first pediatric appointment, yeah. which was day three. And that, and that, that time that Emily, I noticed that Emily's was starting to eat more normally. Her appetite was back. You know, she was hungry again, which was really a great sign. And by that time, the worst seemed to have cleared and, and everything seemed a bit more manageable. Yeah, they didn't give me anything super specific with the help. Like, again, though, the biggest uh, way to treat it is to not be pregnant. Right. I feel like almost that one uh, pain medication really did not work well with my system and it, you know, it's there for a reason, but yeah, it was a necessary. Um, it was, yeah. Like, as soon as I was able to be off of it, and, um, I was taking the maximum amount daily allowed of Tylenol and ibuprofen, mind you, like I wasn't not medicated, <laughs> but uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And, and all the stuff with Teddy to watch out too. Like right. I thought, I felt the postpartum nurses, especially the one who discharged us, I really felt taken care of. Like I really understood like, you know, felt good leaving the hospital, felt prepared, if you can feel prepared. I right. don't know. But she was very helpful. And I think it was that night, I think it was the overnight on day two, where Teddy had his really bad, uh, Teddy yeah. had his really rough so night. So the night that Paul stayed up with him all night, he was really gassy. And he was otherwise a very chill baby those first couple of weeks. But right. that was a hard night for Teddy. He kept waking himself up in his sleep so it was i mean it was good because it kept me on my toes but it was a a rough night for him and he couldn't get to sleep sleep till about like 3 Mm. a.m oh those early days Uh, still still the cutest little guy you do round a corner it's not like that always yeah you know yes so true well, do you have any last, any wisdom, any important things that you would want to share with any expectant parents based on your the way that your birth went or these first few months of parenthood? Flexibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, things don't always go as planned. I think it's good to know what you want and to advocate for yourself. That's flexibility. Mm-hmm. And that includes when you get home too, I'd say. Yeah. Just be kind to each other because there is a lot of often sleepless nights or um, less sleep than you're used to. I personally had such bad sleep in my pregnancy that I was finding I was sleeping in bigger chunks than I was after he was born, (laughs) which is crazy. 
But I'm like, wow, wow. I slept two and a half hours. That was a lot for me. He's not, not waking up. He's not a phenomenal um, sleeper now, but he was okay. He was, he was, yeah. Well, we we got we got handed a NICU baby on a schedule. I'm not gonna lie, right? right. So uh-huh. uh, I have him on a schedule. While was like, who's doing the midnight? Who's doing the three? He was, was, was kind of like a clock that way. So I don't know if everybody gets that, but uh, I guess yeah. ups and downs <laughs> of NICU. But be easy on each other. Right. Be easy on your partner. And clear your decks to the extent that you can for work or any other obligation. Clear them out. Make because space. Because there's you just need space. Yeah. Make space for your new family member. Absolutely. Thank you. That's great wisdom. Great words. And finally, Paul, do you want to share about your? I know you have more than one, but the, especially the parenting-related <laughs> podcast, because I'd love to share that, yeah. and I'll post the link to it wherever this is posted. So go ahead, tell us about it. Yeah, so we do, um, me and a couple of friends of ours, or a couple of friends of mine, one of whom who became a dad really close to me, he became a dad two weeks before I did, we do a podcast called Dads on Dads on Dads. And every episode, we do a theme, you know, that's dad related. And we talk about our experiences, talk about, you know, how we want to raise our sons, because we all have sons, or at least all the dads on it so far, all have sons. And we talk about how those themes relate to our families and, and our futures. So yes, Dads on Dads on Dads is available wherever you get your podcasts. It's also available at www.outrunthebearmedia.com. And yeah, give a listen. And I'm on a second one. It's called You May Be Right. It's about the Red Sox and the Yankees. As you can probably tell, I'm a big Red Sox fan. So that's through the Elite Sports New York Network. Nice. Yeah. And I, uh, I've been listening to several of the Dads on Dads on Dads episodes. One that stood out to me today was you guys had watched a documentary about masculinity. Yeah. Now I want to watch it with my husband. We need to check it out. But that was really I, just such fascinating yeah, stuff to think about. So everybody yeah. check yeah. out his podcast. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, especially uh, the masculinity episode was especially trenchant. Again, we all, I mean, all the guys on that podcast for that episode have sons. And that's something that's always going through our heads, you know, mm-hmm. you know, what does it, what does it mean to be a man with your boy? What does it mean to bring your boy up in a world where maybe certain things are expected of him mm. that, that maybe you would not teach in the home, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good stuff. All right. Thank you so much, Paul and Emily. I very much appreciate your taking the time to share your experiences. Give Teddy a big hug for me, and I hope I can see you guys soon. Thank you, Lisa. Thanks so much. All right. Have a good one. Bye-bye. You too. Bye. Bye. So that's it for Emily's and Paul's story. On the topic of breech birth, I wanted to mention that in the New York City birth environment and most of the birth environment in the U.S., cesarean birth will be the default if a baby is in breech or heads-up position at full term. This is because the vast majority of doctors in our country aren't trained in how to safely catch a breech baby, as I mentioned in the intro. It can be done, but it requires different expertise than a vertex or head-down baby and does carry extra risk factors. It's really unfortunate that care providers aren't being trained these days, and many of us hope that will change so that birthing families can feel like they have choices if they find themselves in this scenario. If you want to learn more, I recommend checking out the documentary Heads Up. I've linked to several videos in an article about gentle cesarean techniques if you look up episode 18 at birthmattersshow.com. These are techniques that can help a cesarean birth to feel more like the beautiful birth it should feel like and to give you and your baby the best and healthiest start. In most of our U.S. hospitals, these techniques are not standard, so it's a good idea to make your request known in advance. I recommend framing it like this. In the unlikely event that my baby needs to be born via cesarean, could I request this or that? Emily mentioned being diagnosed after birth with HELP syndrome, that's spelled H-E-L-L-P, which is a type of preeclampsia that is a very serious complication. The name HELP is an acronym that stands for the things that HELP does to the body. Hemolysis, which is the breaking down of red blood cells, elevated liver enzymes, and low platelet count. 
In the U.S., around 5 to 8% of pregnant women develop preeclampsia. It's estimated, according to the Preeclampsia Foundation, that 15% of women diagnosed with preeclampsia will develop HELP syndrome. As Emily mentioned, the cure for it is giving birth, but things do need to be monitored and treated with great care. Meconium, which Paul mentioned, is baby's first poop for the first day or two after birth. It's black, sticky, and very tarry, and is very hard to clean off baby's bum in diaper changes. So, I always recommend applying some olive oil to baby's bum at each diaper change after cleaning them up, so that next time they poop, it'll be so much easier to clean. You only need to do that until the poop turns green and isn't sticky anymore, but it's a sanity saver. One thing Emily mentioned is something I always teach about in birth class. That's on the topic of staying flexible in this very unknowable process of giving birth. While it's important for many of us to develop a birth vision and have strong intentions, it's just as important to then surrender to the process and take heart that you can navigate the unknown, knowing that even if the labor doesn't go exactly according to plan, so to speak, it still can be an overall positive life event. Now, don't hear me wrong here. In this, I'm not saying say yes to whatever your care provider recommends in the heat of the moment. I simply mean that there are other variables in the organic process that are out of our control, and it will protect our mental health and wellness on the other side of birth to a large extent to remain flexible and adaptable. If you'd like to learn more about any of these topics, visit this episode's show notes page over at birthmattersshow.com. Okay, here's a sneak peek of what's up next week. This is really important when you get pregnant, and I think it's really important for women to really listen to their bodies and their, and really listen to their heart. And any type of thing that you're feeling in your gut or intuition, go with it. You're going to be told so many different things from healthcare providers or girlfriends or family, your mother-in-law, your mother, everything. But I think it's really important. Everyone's first experience is so different. I think it's really important to just follow your heart and follow that gut. See you next week, and remember that you can navigate the unexpected in giving birth.